Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. I want to talk to you about a little bit more about what we started last week, which is about getting ready for 2022. Y'all probably heard this, but if y'all heard people saying um, 2022 is 2020 also, y'all, you know what I'm saying? If you, the pronunciation 2022 could also mean 2020 also. Is that a prophetic word that 2022 is going to be 2020 all over again? And um, yes, no, we don't believe that, right? Uh, but I thought that was that was funny that some people are like, oh, no, it's going to be 2022. Um, <clears throat> anyway. Do what? That witness with you? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I thought you were going that witness with me when you said that. Like, oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> anyway. Um, I do believe this year, you know, there's going to be a lot of good things happen. I believe we're going to see um, things progress in the church world. Uh, I think we're going to see more of God's movement. But I have to say, I, I believe it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be the way we would normally think. I, I believe it's going to be, we're going to see God increase, but it's going to come as we continually embrace what God's wanting to do. You know, embracing something new is not easy. Embracing something new is goes against the grain. We don't know where we're going. We don't we don't know what to expect. We always gravitate toward what we know, toward what we expect, toward what we've seen. We always do that because we can depend on that. And I believe God's going to bring increase, but there's going to be a continued step into the unknown for our lives and for the church because God's bringing us somewhere where we've not been before. Again, I believe that's happening for many individuals, particularly those of you that have been holding on to promises. You've been believing God. God's going to lead you outside of the ordinary. Um, you remember in, the, in the, the Word of God, the disciples weren't fasting and praying. It doesn't mean fasting and praying is wrong, but Jesus is saying uh, they're not doing it the way everybody else does it because I'm trying to pull them apart, away from something because there's something new coming and they're going to have to pull away from the old to be able to reattach to the new. And that's the stress of part of the season that we're in right now. We're having to learn to pull away from old patterns in our lives and in the church and to embrace new patterns. There's a lot of people in the church world. They just want everything to go back the way it was. I don't know that it's ever going to happen that way. I don't know that it's going to go back to what it was maybe for a long time, maybe ever. I don't know. And I don't know what's coming, but that's why we, God doesn't like to tell you everything in advance. He likes, he, you know, when you go into something new, most of the time you get a glimpse and you just have to stay close to the Lord every day and he guides your steps. If you want God to tell you everything in advance, you're going to be extremely resistant to going to where God wants you to go because he won't tell you that way. He gives you a little glimpse and you start to go in that direction and it seems right. You, you take another step, it seems right. You're in prayer. Maybe you start to go in some other direction, like you want to go back to the way you were doing things. Or, and it doesn't quite seem right. You have to pay attention to those things and you have to stay in prayer because that's so, it's so how God leads us. You know, so anyway, 
As I said, there's going to be new things. I believe there are going to be new blessings. But it's going to come as we're going against the tide. Right? I don't think it's, it's not going to come like, oh, uh, just boom, showers of blessings and no um, effort or whatever you want to call that. So, again, there's going to be huge blessings in 2022 for, the, for believers, those that have been sowing, but I believe also it's not going to come so easily. I mentioned, too, there, I believe there will be difficulties in 2022. Um, Jesus was always very encouraging. You know, as you go through the Word of God, you see how Jesus was encouraging all the time and telling you how to have victory. And he would say things like, if you're weary, come to me, uh, get my, hear what I say, do what I say. And if you just do that, it's not going to be, your life won't be so hard. Life won't be so stressful if you just do what I say. That's pretty much what he said. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. You're going to find rest. Are you burdened? Are you heavy? You're carrying around a weight in life? He says, come to me, hear what I say and do it. And my yoke is easy. It's not going to be so hard for you. Uh, just do what I'm telling you to do. Quit doing things your own way. Quit trying to figure things out, right? So he's, say, he's saying, you know, he was always telling us how to have victory. You know, in the world, there's difficulty, but in me, you're going to have victory. He's, he says things like that. He says, I'll give you peace, right? He says, I'll, I'll give you comfort. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to be with you. He's going to give you comfort. He's going to give you direction. That's some pretty good stuff. Amen. Amen. We need to have coffee before church sometimes, right? You get everybody uh, percolating today. Um, but anyway, so Jesus was always encouraging, but he's also not afraid to give warnings. Now, I think in our current church world, we don't like to say anything that might make people feel bad in any way whatsoever. We just don't like to do it, right? But Jesus did not shy away from that. He gave full encouragement, but he also gave complete warnings in what he was saying, and he told us to be prepared for difficult times, right? So think about this. He's like, victory, 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 but then he talks about hard times. They seem, and to the American church member, most people see those two things as contradictory, and that's why we don't bring them up at the same time in church service. You, you see what I'm saying? Because if you talk about warnings, everybody's devastated. No, I don't want to hear anything negative. Let me just tell you, difficult times will come. Jesus said that. Paul said that. The whole testimony of the New Testament says that. Difficult times will come. You know, there's some other things that the New Testament, I mean, there, it's all over the New Testament. <laughs> But just a few other things I'll mention. There will be wars and rumors of wars. I believe that's going to be happening until the end of time. Periodically, those kind of things will happen. Because we've not had a war in a long time, we tend to think, hey, hey we're beyond the season where people will have wars anymore. That just won't happen anymore, right? I think that there is such a false sense of security in America because we don't think bad is going to happen to us. You know that? We just don't tend to think negative things are going to happen at a certain level. And uh, I hope 
that over the last period of time, you've been waking up. I was speaking to a member in the church the other day, and we were talking about the, the atmosphere of what's in our nation. And I, I mentioned, I feel very vulnerable. I don't know about you, but I feel very, very vulnerable. And it's like there's a protection that's been removed over our nation. There's like something that's not here that used to be here. You know, if we get into a battle, I remember years, remember years ago, if we were to get into a battle, I would, I would have thought, hey, we're, we're going to want to do what's right. We're going to unify. We'll pray, whatever. God will be with us. Today, if we were get to get into a war, I wouldn't be so sure we'd win. If y'all understand what I'm saying. I don't feel the strength of in our nation anymore. I don't feel the righteous morality in our nation anymore. There's division everywhere. There's division in our armed forces. There's it's crazy things that have been happening to undermine the moral fiber of this nation and the unity in this nation. Uh, we've become a divided nation. Can y'all not see that? What happens with division? There's no power in it. Do you not remember that in the Word of God? God was saying uh, when, when there's a uni unity, there's power, right? And when there's division, that's a huge weakness. There's a huge weakness in our nation right now. And if you're not awake to it, I hope that you'll become awake to it. But I'll just, you know, want to intermingle as I'm saying this. God's going to be with those that will trust him. I believe what's happening right now is we're under a, a level of God's disciplining hand. I fully believe that. And how long will the disciplining hand of God be with us? I believe it will be here until it gets the job done. What's the job the disciplining hand is doing? It's trying to wake us up. It's trying to turn us around. It's trying to help us to see things clearly and to come back to God. We're not like a nation that has never, ever served God before. We're like a nation that knew better. I mean, talking about the majority or a lot of people in this nation that had influence. We knew better, but chose wrong. And we've chosen evil after evil after evil. And we become blind. The Bible says the more, you, the more you yield to things, the more blind you are. So now we can call a girl a boy and a boy a girl. We can have a boy. I just read where, I, I think it was Yale and Harvard, just had a women's swim meet. Okay? And the irony of it is, is a man beat another man swimming. They were the two finalists in the women's swim meet. Is that not just the craziest thing? It is crazy. And you've got to have blindness over your mind to not recognize how crazy that is. And if you cannot recognize the blindness that's in our culture that we've propagated, that we've probably been more influential in this area around the world than any other nation, think of the darkness that's in our nation. Think of how fast it's growing. Do you think that any hope will come from anywhere other than the Lord? I will say no. Now, God can use whoever to do whatever. But the reason why it's going to happen is because the church has gotten back right. The church is living right. The church is doing right. The church is speaking right. Everybody's in their right place, praying, speaking, doing what God's called them to do. We are the army of God. We are the church. We are the, you know, the church, the word church means 
It's actually a governmental type of word. And, and it's amazing when you look into that word. Somebody, I, I heard somebody speak about it one time and I started looking it up and, you know, like, wow, that word does mean that. It's like God's, God's governing body to have influence and bring rulership. And so it's our role as the church and as churches to bring God's rulership into the earth by speaking his word, by believing God, by using faith. Paul speaks about the weapons of righteousness. Wow, man, that's so powerful. I begin to think more and more about all these things that we're supposed to be doing as not just principles, but also weapons, weapons. Prayer is a weapon to make things happen. Faith, asking and believing, it's a weapon that makes things happen. Amen? I'm telling you, coming to church, us getting together, there's something that happens when we get together. When we are here together, there is power in our midst. I feel the power here. Amen? I, I, I don't know what the experience is online. I'm hoping you're experiencing the presence of God there too. I believe if you're home and you invite the presence of God and you're sitting there, I believe you can experience it at home. But anyway, we're at this place in this season in life, and so many have been lulled to sleep. I'll just go a little bit on an, an, an aside here and uh, mention something that came to my mind. But, you know, think about human nature. People are like, oh, there won't be any wars anymore. Well, has human nature changed? I don't think so. The only time you're going to change is when you come to God and have a come to Jesus moment. Isn't that right? Human nature is the same. Now, if you remove law, let's say there's no law in America. All right? There's no crime. There's no penalty for killing somebody. Guess what we're going to see next week? You're going to see more crime, aren't you? You're going to see more people killed, aren't you? Y'all are like looking at me like you're not sure on that one. People kill somebody? I don't know if I... Okay, how about theft? There's no penalty for theft anymore. There's no law. Are we going to see more theft next week? In California, they made a law where if you shoplift less than 900, it's, you can't even prosecute it. So guess what people did? They started bringing big trash bags into the store with them, empty, and taking them out full. As long as it's under $900, they're okay. And of course, your businesses are starting to close because of that. It's so stupid. But when you remove law, lawlessness comes up. How about if you remove the power to enforce the law? What if we remove all the policemen and all the judges? What's going to happen? What's going to happen if there's no... We have a law, but we don't enforce it. Same thing, right? Lawlessness. Okay? So, we learn a principle. Oh, we have a policeman back there just... <laughs> that's the first time... That's the first time I've seen that young man back there jumping up and down and tapping his hands. But, um, but anyway, see, if you don't have laws, you're going to have chaos. If you don't have the enforcement of the law, you're going to have chaos. As much as you yield, that's as far as people will go. Because the hearts of men are given to evil when, when there's no law, right? Now, let me ask you this. What about nations? What if 
that which hinders nations from becoming who they really are is removed. What if there are no repercussions to your evil actions? Are they going to get worse and worse? Yes. What if evil nations think they can get away with more and more? Are they going to? Yes. And do you think right now nations feel like they can get away with more evil than ever? You just think about it. It wasn't, but like a little while back, China just forcibly took Hong Kong. You, you hear they're crying in the streets, please don't do this, please. It happened. What are they doing now? They've got their eyes on Taiwan, don't they? Everybody knows that's their goal. They're going, what are they doing? They're looking for the right time. They're wondering, is there anybody in this world that would stop us? How much damage would it do now? Would it be better to wait a year? Or is it, do you understand what I'm saying? It's looking for either no law or absence of enforcement of good. I'm just telling you, the world is the way it's always been. Oh, there's never been some kind of tyrant for 70-some years. 70-some years is nothing. Just because you haven't seen it does not mean that the nature of man has changed. It's the same. It's as evil as it's been. And by the way, did y'all know? I mean, we're getting on China. I'm not saying that China's going to do something to America, but I'm not saying they're not either. But y'all know that China sent a few, a few weeks ago, a missile uh, uh, that's nuclear warhead capable missile all around the whole world, around the whole globe at low altitude. What are they doing that for, right? What are they testing that for? Are they wondering, is somebody even going to stand up to us and say, why'd you do that? I think they're testing. I don't know. I just wonder, why would they do that? Anyway, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to pick on China, actually, but I am just saying I'm using that as a look. Look at what's out there. It's everywhere. Things can spring up from things we're not even looking for. And the only protection we have really is God. Yes, God will use us. He'll he'll he will put us in unity. He'll make us strong. He will give us ideas. He'll, he'll even bless and give ideas to leadership in our nation that maybe they're not serving the Lord. But if our nation is going in that direction and the church is doing right and there's unity and righteousness is prevailing, you're going to see God step into our history. Once we begin to give God the finger as a nation, once we begin to pull further and further away, uh, you begin to see this kind of thing that we have the, the, the spirit in our nation right now. So I just want to encourage you, um, you know, there might be some difficult times coming to this nation. It would not surprise me one bit. And I hate to say this, but I just want to say I would not be surprised if 2022 has more chaos and confusion than 2020 or 2021. It just wouldn't surprise me. I'm not saying God told me it's going to happen. I did have an experience. It was a, I want to say it wasn't like intense, but it happened three times in prayer at the end of 2020. And um, from what I, from what I saw in prayer or before the Lord, I should say, um, it did make me 
believe that that there are things that we don't see that that's happening um, and that there's going to be chaos, but God's going to clear it up. And I don't believe it's going to be too very long before God clears that up and that we see what's producing the chaos and the confusion. What's not clear now, we will see clearly. Amen. Are y'all with me? And um, if it, and I would just say if something like we, we're, happens in the next few months and you're going, what in the world's going on? You don't understand things. Just don't get upset. Put your trust in the Lord. Back up and you just say, it's all going to come out at the right time. And I fully believe that. I fully believe that somehow God's going to reveal the things um, that are producing some of this craziness in our nation. Luke eight seventeen says, there's nothing hidden that will not be revealed and nothing revealed, excuse me, and, noth- and nothing hidden that will be, that will not be brought to light. Everything's going to be seen. You know, we ought to all think about that individually, right? There's nothing hidden that's not going to get brought to light. You can't hide anything. It's going to all come out one day. Whew. That's pretty like, oh, wow. But God exposes everything. He exposes the motives and nations. And there's times when God steps into history and he does that. And I'm looking forward to that because I fully believe that's going to happen. Um, the reason why I believe it's going to happen is because God wants to bring the fear of the earth, fear of the Lord back into earth. And, um, you know, there are these words like, you know, in the, the Old Testament where it says things like, you know, when, when God's judgments are not in the earth, the hearts of men are given over to evil. They don't see God castigating anybody, for, so they, they'll do it too, right? And another one says, when God's judgments are seen, they teach men to fear the Lord. So when God does something, when you see somebody sow something bad, and then they reap back, you know, by the way, sowing and reaping is God's divine in the earth method of reward and punishment. You know that? If you do good, sowing and reaping, uh, that, that principle in the earth, it will bless you back. If you do bad, the, the, you know, the Bible says, don't be deceived. You are going to reap back from what you have sown. Amen. You sow good, you're going to reap good. I love that. And you sow bad, you're going to reap something back from that. And that's just as clear as, as day in the Word of God. Anyway, another verse, it says this, Ecclesiastes twelve fourteen. For God will bring every work into judgment with every single thing, whether it be good or evil. Whether you've done good or evil, as the Bible says God's going to bring every work into judgment. So God looks at all of that. God sees what's going on in the earth. Nothing escapes his notice. Now, you ever hear somebody go, uh, well, like we were singing a song today, actually, that said this, um, something like, I know how it ends, so I'm not going to be worried, right? Isn't that right? Um, and yet there can be a lot of difficulties between now and when it ends. We can have trials between now, but but the great joy is true. It's true. At the end, it's amazing the victory comes. You know, you know, history is like things go down and then God shows up. Boom. Things go down. Things get terrible. God shows up. And uh, many believe that there's going to be a literal, literal tribulation at the end of time. And what's happening? Oh, it's going to be it's going to be let's just say three and a half years of really difficult times. But then. Jesus Christ is going to come and it's going to be the most amazing victory ever. Amen.
So there's no reason to be discouraged. All right. I want to just hit on just a few little points today to help you have the right attitude and spirit for 2022. Because um, we're really going to have to walk in the spirit. And let me share this before I get into these. This, these are, this is one extra added point. You need to make sure you learn how to walk in the spirit and not the flesh. Now, that means to do right and not give in to your temptations, right? We think of that as and at one level as, okay, I'm going to do the things of the Lord. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to start praying. Okay, but I want to go beyond that and just say, you're the Holy, when you get born again, your spirit is giving testimony to what God's saying. In your spirit, man, there's no defeat. There's no feeling of defeat. If you'll learn how to connect with the, with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, and in your spirit, man, there's victory, there's direction, there's peace, there's comfort, and you can be in whatever situation. And on the inside, deep down within, if you quit paying attention to your feelings and your flesh, you will connect to joy, peace, victory, and the word of the Lord. Most of the time when we're in a trial, what are we connected to? Our feelings. Oh, I feel terrible. If I could only feel better. All you need to do is disconnect from that and start putting your mind on the Holy Spirit and become spirit-focused and spirit-led. My flesh can scream at me sometimes, but if my spirit man leads the way, eventually my flesh will come in alignment. If I'm always trying to correct my fleshly man and make it feel better, I mean, it's going to be a long, long, long bit of work and I don't get much done. Any of you ever tried to do that? Man, I have this flesh thing. That I'm just telling you, if you will focus on the Holy Spirit things and enter into that, the flesh will come along. The, the Bible says that the power of the flesh is overcome by the power of the Spirit. So you need to be strong in your spirit, man. Rejoice in the Lord. Praise God when you don't feel like it. You're connecting to, to the Spirit on the inside of you. Let that be magnified and watch what that does to uh, your your whole life. I mean, watch how you start to go forward if you learn to do that. Okay, well, the first thing I want to mention here is you got to be flexible. I, I shared that a little last week, so I'm just going to hit a few bullet points with that one here and move on. But uh, in a time of change, which is what we're in, it's in the church world. I've shared that earlier, but it's it's everywhere right now. Change is happening everywhere, and you need to be flexible because we have our way. We think we know what we want. We think we know how we're going to get there, and in times of change, you've got to be flexible because that's when you find out God might have given you the vision, but you misinterpreted how you're going to get there. You didn't know what was going to happen in between. You've got to adapt with where you are and flow with where you are and flow and, and move along with what God's got for you. Sometimes it looks contrary to what you've had in your heart and your mind. But remember this, God does this all the time. He gives us a dream. We have a thought and then he he leads us in a way that looks different than that. We know in our heart we have to lay that thing down to follow the Lord. And I believe the reason why God does that is because he doesn't, he doesn't want us to idolize the vision he gave us. He does, doesn't want, to idolize, want us to idolize the dream we have. So we come into those times when God says, lay that down and go that way. But you, and you'll go, but God, I, I want to do that. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. And God's like, but I'm telling you, lay that down and do this. Or don't do it that way. Do it this way. And you go, but God, I want to do it this way. I'm good at doing it this way. You, and as we wrestle with the Lord, we rise. We got to do it his way. Amen. So you got to be flexible. This is a season of new things and changes. 
you definitely have to be flexible. I would spend time every day before the Lord. When you get up in the morning and you pray, just say, God, I'm here. I'll lay everything before you, my dreams, everything. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do and have that mindset. Secondly, you have to make decisions that honor God. Um, you know, the key to your next season is usually making difficult decisions that don't feel right. In God, the key to you getting where God wants you to get is you making the difficult decisions and doing what God wants you to do, particularly when you don't want to do that. You see, that's when it happens. We've seen that in the story with um, Abraham and his son, Ishmael. He had to let go of Ishmael. We saw that last week. And you also see it in um, his next son, Isaac. So, so you got this, you, you've got this man called of God, given a dream from the Lord. God's given him this dream. You're going to have a son. Oh, the promise is going to come through that son. So a father is naturally connected to a son. But beyond that, his son represents God to him. God's promise. God's blessing. And then, um, you know, what does, what does God do? It says, listen to the wording here in Genesis 22. Now it came to pass that God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am. And he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac. Now he had another son. Why did he say that? This is the special, particularly unique son. He's talking about the, the, a, the, the promised son. Whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Now that, that has to be the, of course, now we know that God was testing him and that God would never ask such a thing. He says that later. But Abraham didn't know that God would never ask such a thing at that time, right? So, I mean, could you imagine such a thing? I mean, that's got to be the most difficult thing to imagine. And, and Abraham, not having walked in certain dimensions with God, didn't know that God would never have asked, would never have had him do that, right? So Abraham's picturing burn, putting it, killing his son, putting him there and burning him as an offering to the Lord. That's got to be, I mean, I want to just, okay, we know that God would never do that. But I want you just to put your mind back there in that time and pretend you're Abraham for a moment. You've got the son that you love. You're out there spending time with him. You're teaching him how to do everything. And then one day, God, I mean, you have an encounter with God and you know it's God. It's a voice. It's an audible voice. And you, you've experienced that before. You know it's God. And he says, um, go take your son up to Mount Moriah, uh, Father Sunday, and I want you to kill him and give him to me as a burnt offering. I, w I mean, how would you respond to that? When you read the story, you go, I mean, either Abraham's crazy or he had a whole bunch of faith, right? It says this. So, so Abraham rose early in the morning. You know, most of the time when people get told God tells them to do something they don't want to do, you know, the first thing they start doing is giving God excuses. Oh, but I can't do that because of this. 
Oh, I don't want to do that because of this. Oh, I got this coming up. I'll do that later. I got other things pressing right now. You know, I'll get to that later. This is one of the, probably the most difficult thing Abraham ever had to do. God says, do it. He gets up early, early the next morning. He doesn't even put it off. I'm going, wow, what an amazing man. He gets up early in the morning, saddles his donkey, took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place God had told him. Wow, what an amazing story there. Now, here he is. God has, and you know, most of you know the rest of the story. God steps in before he actually kills him. You know, I just, I always picture in my hand, he's got it like this. And then God grabs his hand, right? But he had it. He had him tied up on the wood. He's got the wood. He doesn't have the fire going yet, but he's going to. He's got the boy on tied up where he can't get off. And he's getting ready to kill him. Now, again, that's got to be so hard. And could you imagine your son looking at you, you know, you're just going, okay, God told me to do this. (laughs) Anyway. I think it's so precious. There's one thing here he goes. When he's when he's making the altar, Isaac still doesn't know what's going on yet. In verse 7, he goes, Father, and says, look, the fire in the wood, but where's the lamb? Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And uh, God goes, God will provide a lamb for the burnt offering. Anyway, it's so interesting. So anyway, um, here they go. Abraham stretches out his hand. And the angel called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he goes, here I am. And he says, don't lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know. Now I know that you fear God since you've not withheld your son, your only son from me. Now, I want to I read one other little aspect of this story. And, and then, okay, so... Abraham looks and then he sees a a ram and caught in the thicket. And so what he did was God says, don't sacrifice him. See, so he's like, oh, he really wants to worship the Lord. Right. That was a great experience for him. Not just that he didn't have to sacrifice, but what he just walked through with God and where he went with God. That was so difficult, you see. And then and then this happens and they're like, and he hadn't seen this before. But now there's a ram right over there stuck in the thicket. And he goes, he calls the name of the place Jehovah Jireh or Yireh. Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. In the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So then the angel spoke again and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son, Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you as the descendants of the stars of heaven and the sandwiches of the seashore, etc., etc. Look at this. Do y'all realize that this blessing came after he did what he's supposed to do? After he made that difficult decision to obey God and choose God? Do y'all see that? And do you see that God hid from him the the blessing that was going to come he had to know it by faith god didn't say abraham if you do this 
I'm going to stop you midway. And I'm, then I'll bless you. No, there wouldn't have been a test, wouldn't it? Would it? Right? God leads us into things and he hides things from us. And he just lets us see the obedience part. And that way it becomes a more absolute test for us. So, now, why does God test us? Why does God test us? You might think God tests us to see what's in our heart. I believe God tests us to purify our heart. Which is a slight difference there. So, take this story. God didn't... Now, we're going to see where he says, now I know. He says, now I know what's in your heart. Excuse me. That's not exactly what he said, is it? Um, now I know you fear God. Okay, we'll get into that in a minute. But we could say that God's doing this to see, mm, I wonder if Abraham is really completely mine. Do you think God knew that already, whether he was? Well, why the test? Why was it necessary? I believe what happens is it's the test that actually purified Abraham. In other words, his faith and his commitment level went to another level in that process. So, God says, Abraham, do this. He doesn't want to do it. But he, he makes himself say, I'm going to believe God. Now, in the New Testament, it says, he ended up saying, God's given me a promise. This is contrary to his promise. He's going to have to raise him from the dead. Again, that's another phenomenal thing. To walk this out, his faith had to increase. And he went to the place of saying, God will raise him from the dead. God will do whatever he has to do to make this promise. I don't care that he's told me to do this. It looks contrary. But if God said it, he's going to do it. He rose to that place of believing in the resurrection of the dead because of the, because of the trial. Are, are you all with me? He's going there. His dedication, his absolute willingness to give all to God went to a new place because of the test. Because of him saying, I'll do it, God. I'll do it, God. I'll do it, God. When he's walking this out, his faith is growing. It's difficult, I believe, but he's pressing into God. He's, he's denying himself and what he wants to do. And at the end, God stops him. And what's, what does he say? What do I see? That you've withheld nothing from me. I want you to think about that. Most of the tests we have in life are, are you willing to let go of this and do it my way? Are you willing to stop doing this, this, this and sacrifice and put me over that other stuff? I'm just curious. Are you putting me over everything else? God wants to know that, you see. But, but I want to highlight this expression where he goes, now I know. You know, the word know isn't just mental knowledge. It's experience knowledge. Adam knew Eve, and they had a baby. It's an experience. It's not just mental. When Abraham 
came through this experience. Now I know that you, I, I feel there's an experience of you've come someplace you've never been before. And I see that and I know it. You're Abraham, you're someplace because you walked through that and you made the right decisions and you were willing to go through the hardship and the sacrifice to do whatever to follow me. Now I know that I see that in you now. That's really an amazing thing. And then look what happens after that. You know that after that happened, then he, he says this. Because you have done this. You know, anyway, we want to have, we want the, the, um, we don't like to give the uh, difficulty part, but we like the blessing part, right? But after he went through the difficulty, he says this, because you've done this thing and haven't withheld your son, that which is most important and precious to you, you didn't withhold it. You gave it over to me. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply your descendants just like the stars of heaven. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It's a done deal. Now, if you know the word of God, you realize God has already said to him many times he was going to do this. What's the difference? You know, I believe there's a destiny on each one of us. God has things he wants to fulfill. God has dreams he's given us. But there's a path that we're walking on. What I, what I believe happened here is Abraham did what God wanted him to do. And it was this, so to speak, if you want to say it this way, that secured the blessing of God that God had intended for him. Are y'all, y'all see that? God had promised it, but it was in the path of him walking with God 25 and then plus 13 more years, 38 years later, that God brought him to the point where his heart, where he is able to say, now you're where I was bringing you. Now I'm going to fulfill every promise I said I was going to give to you. That is amazing, isn't it? So this was a test. You got tests coming. Passing the test qualifies you for the blessing. And the test actually changes your life when you decide to do what God said to do. Man, that's so powerful. So I just want to encourage you in that. And, you know, for you to remember, I'll, you know, in, in James, what does he say there? Rejoice when you have trials and difficult times because they change your life. Uh, I want to just mention, by the way, trials don't change your life if you don't do right in them. It's when you embrace them and you come to God and you're praying and you do right, you come out of that trial, you're a different person. You realize that every time you have a trial and you bring it before the Lord, you work through it, you do right, you, you go through the whole process of having to pray, but when you come out, you're a different person. Trials perfect you. That's exactly what happened to him. One last verse I'll mention here. Isaiah 1, I believe it's 119. It says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. Okay? So I want to add something to being obedient, and that's being willing. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the best of the land. 
Some people try to force themselves grudgingly to obey the Lord. I don't believe that's God's best. God likes a cheerful giver. He likes cheerfulness when you do whatever for the Lord. When you bring your tithes to the Lord, you shouldn't be complaining about it. God's like, well, just keep it, right? God wants us to do whatever we do cheerfully. And he says, if you're willing and obedient, some people, you can be obedient, but do something grudgingly toward God, like Jonah, maybe. There's no blessing in that, or there's not the full blessing. If you want a full blessing, you have to be willing and obedient. What does it mean to be willing? It means to have a good attitude about it. It means to rejoice in it. It means to embrace it. Man, think about Abraham. Abraham's called, and God says, go do this. I mean, I wouldn't blame Abraham if he'd been complaining or, and grumbling and saying whatever, but he didn't. He went directly and did exactly what God told him to do, and he never complained about it. That's amazing, isn't it? So, anyway, I just, I do, I, I should share one other little thing because I felt like the Lord gave me a word for some of you who are discouraged. I've, um, there's a word in Psalm, and I will close with this one, Psalm 126, that um, I felt the Lord highlighted to me in 126 and actually 127. I'll just say it really quickly, but I, I believe this is for many people in this season and some of you listening today. It says, those who sow in tears shall reap with joy. Verse 5 of 126. I want to encourage you. There's many of you who have sown in tears. What does it mean to sow in tears? You obey God when it's hard to do it. It, it was painful to do it. Uh, it could also mean giving away something. I, had a, I heard a preacher one time say, God told him to give somebody his favorite tie. And he goes, but God, that's my favorite tie. Other people won't even like it like I do, whatever. And he said, God told him to get, and I mean, that sounds like such a small thing, but he was attached to his tie. And he gives the testimony of how God ended up using that to bring a huge blessing. And, and stuff came back to him. Well, I believe that's a very small example of sowing in tears too. But I want to encourage some of you that have been sowing to God for a long time, and it's been painful. God wants to tell you, he has seen everything that you've given to him. He's seen every sacrifice you've made. He's seen all your time in prayer. He's seen when it was hard, but you kept doing what God wanted you to do. God's going to reward that, and none of that is going to be forgotten. And secondly, in verse 1 of the next verse, it's of the next chapter, unless the Lord built the house, the labor in vain who built it. You know another thing that the Lord would encourage you in? God's going to bless you. You, can't, you. you don't have to worry about trying to make it happen. Abraham did that one time. He and his wife and messed up, didn't he? You remember they came up with Ishmael because it wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. I've been called to do this and it's been so long and it's not happening. We, maybe we're doing something wrong. So they forced it. We're going to make it happen. And they went outside of that realm. Don't go outside of the realm of peace, the realm that God's got you in and try to force this and that. God's like, you know what? I want to guarantee you, you're going to reap in the right time, in the right season. And he's saying, uh, what the Lord doesn't build, it's just in vain. You don't have to go try to build something outside of the realm of what God's got you to do. God's going to make it happen. God's going to build it, and it's going to be marvelous. Amen? Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. We pray this week would be a great time in your word, that we would learn from you, that we would grow with you. 
God, we pray that you'd help us to become spiritual. And Lord, if we've had fleshly things and, and distractions that have made us not very hungry for God, Lord, we pray you deal with those this week. If we've had things that we put in front of you, like idols, that we've not been willing to give to you, not only our Ishmaels, but even our Isaac, to say, Lord, we lay down not only the false dreams that we had, but also even the real thing, God, because we're you're more important than any of that, Lord, and we'd rather be pleasing to you than have all the riches of this world and even the promises of, of what you've said. Lord, we were willing to lay down whatever that we might know you and please you, Lord. So here we are just presenting ourselves to you this week. Lord, please be pleased with us. And those of us that are here this morning, we've not learned to enjoy you yet, some of us, and haven't learned to press past discouragement or heaviness or so many different things. Father, I just pray, Lord, for every one of these that there would be a divine pull this week to know you, to spend time with you, to start talking to you, to start dealing with some things that have been in the way of our of the relationship between you and them. Lord, I just pray this week would be a week where, where also you're convicting those who've not yielded their lives to you. They've not given themselves over to you completely. They maybe come to Zoom, maybe go to church, but Lord, they haven't given everything. And Lord, they're not really right with you. They're not born again and not walking with you. Father, I pray, arrest them, alert them, and please speak to them that they might be saved. We are in agreement for every person listening today, Lord, that each one shall know Jesus and each one shall be saved in that day. Lord, we ask you this now in Jesus' name. Amen.